0: You are listening to Cornelia Church, Passion for God, Compassion for People. Well, good morning. My name is Candice, and I am um, very honored to be able to share with you guys a little bit this morning. Um, We are starting a new series, but before I get into that, I want to share something that happened this morning in first service that I really think um, sometimes we... Hold on. I was like, that mint's not going away fast enough, and I don't know what to do. It's just in there. I'm sorry. I had this, I had a week, right? I had a week of um, a lot of insecurity, a lot of just nervousness about today. Um, Andrew was out of town this week. He was on vacation, and normally, like, when I have a question, I go to him and he, like, helps me work through it. So this week, he just felt like really nervous and. Really insecure. You can ask the staff like every time they're like, "How's Message Pro going?" I'm like, "It's not. It's not." And you know, and I was just kind of freaking out inside, just feeling really insecure. And um, and I just, I, that never went away. You know, sometimes you have to go out and just do the thing that you're called to do, even even if you don't feel good about it. Like how many of you guys have been in that boat? Like, oh, I have to give this presentation, or I have to go and serve here, or I have to go and teach my kid about this thing about life, and I don't want to. We're called to do things that don't. We're not always gonna feel good about it. Anyways, I was here in this morning, and I was wrestling with it, and. Um, Donnie Watson came up and she just whispered a word into my ear, like, hey, I have this word from the Lord for you. And it was the word that I needed this morning. And she just said to, let, um, to allow yourself to trust God. Um, and for, what immediately what that did for me is it reminded me of how much I had put the emphasis on my own self during this process and how I really can just pause and re- um, remember that it's really about him. It's really about him. So that taught me two things. Number one, it's not about me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But also number two, I'm so grateful for this church. <laughs> so grateful for you guys as a body of people to pour into me as I choose to um, minister to you as well. And so I would challenge you today. Um, that was not something I know that she had planned or knew about my situation, but man, there are people in this house who are probably having a week You know, we've probably had some issues. You know, what word of encouragement do you have for somebody who's sitting across from you today? What word do you have? So if the Lord is um, putting it on your heart, a word to give somebody, I encourage you to give that word to them. I encourage you, if you're like, oh man, I, I got to go meet that person, I don't really know why. You know, like when you have those feelings, go and do it because it really can be the thing that people need. It really can be, um, it really can be you being the church, being the hands and feet of Jesus to other people right here in this house. So thank you so much for being here. Um, we are starting a new series called A Dangerous Book, which hints the music, the I don't know what kind of music. But I can't even describe that music. It was so much, and I'm grateful for it because <laughs> it broke the ice for me. But it's called The Dangerous Book because we believe in the Holy Bible. How many of you guys brought your paper text here today? Wave it in the air. Wave it, wave it, wave it, wave it. Yeah. I saw some people got the memo, because I tell you, I do not bring my paper Bible. I actually forgot it and had to go back home and grab it, because I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I got to bring my paper Bible today, because I'm going to have everybody wave there. <laughs> I better not be that girl. So we are, we are challenging you guys to bring your paper text over the next three weeks. Today counts. Um, so if you brought your text, way to go. You did it. Next week, bring it again, because we're going to still be in this series. And then the following week, this is how the series is going to go. Today, I'm going to talk about why we can trust the Bible. Okay. Pastor Chad next week is going to talk about how to use the Bible, like how to actually get into it, different ways to study, different ways to think about whatever. I don't know what he's going to talk about. He's going to take, how to's, he's going to take care of that. And then the third week, we're actually going to do a panel of people who know the word of God. Um, and we're going to answer questions. We're going to answer questions because I believe, um, I actually, I, I don't know if I've ever experienced this. I hear this from people, like, especially on social media and stuff, like the church shuts you down from asking questions. You can never ask questions at church. And I'm just like, what? Like, I've never experienced that. Like, this is a place where we ask the questions. You know, like this is a place where we, where we figure things out together, like I've never really experienced somebody being like, never ask a question. Like nobody's ever told me that. Like, it's like, man, if you have questions, I go to the people. I'm like, Hey, what do you, what does this verse mean? Right. And then we talk about it and it's wonderful. So I kind of want to give us a space to do that in this large environment where if you guys have a Bible questions, we actually do this in youth quite a bit because teenagers have really cool questions. They have really cool questions about life, about scripture, about um, relationships. They have such cool questions. So we do questions often where they put in a question and then we as a panel, we, we tell them the answers, you know, to a certain degree. Now here's the challenge, Okay. I don't want to do questions where I I open up the question and I just kind of give you what my first thought is. Um, I want to always be as faithful on this platform as I can be. And so what I'm asking you guys to do is if you have questions, um, send them to us now so that we can have two weeks to study Okay, send us your questions now, so we can have some time to work on some healthy answers. So here's how to send us your questions. You can send us your questions. Oh, thank you guys for cleaning that up just a little bit. Um, to five, five, nine, five five nine five hundred forty eight thirty. That will be the thread where you can I can pull those questions. Pastor Chad and I will be working. We'll be pulling that panel together this week, and we'll be answering your questions. And um, here's what I know: Qu- having a question doesn't mean you have um, uh, lacking in faith. Okay, so if you have that in your mind, like I can't ask questions because that looks like doubt. No, like some things are just confusing, right? (laughs) Like I know I'm going to get to the story eventually. Sometimes I just don't know which route to take, right? So sometimes we have questions. It's not always an automatic route um, uh, uh, indication of lacking in faith. And here's actually even to take it a step further is if you don't have questions, I would ask you why. Because when you're fascinated by something, when you're interested in something, you become a student of that thing. And you start to ask questions of that thing. When I got into gardening and all of my tomatoes had a weird, flat, soggy bottom, I asked why. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want my tomatoes to have flat, soggy bottoms. Who's had flat, soggy bottom tomatoes? And then you Googled it. Yes, it's annoying. But it's, it's, it's a deficiency in your soil. But I had to ask the question first, and then I amended my soil, and then my tomatoes were nice arrived, round and plump. It was wonderful. But I had to ask the question because I was fascinated enough to not let an issue or a question just stay an issue or a question. I was not afraid to be like, let me Google it. And we don't have to be there with our faith. We're like, man, I wonder really what, does it make sense that the creation story is told twice? Like, what is that about? Like, do you guys have a question about that? Let's ask it. Let's ask it and let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. There are things in scripture that are confusing, right? And that's okay that it's confusing because it was written a long time ago to a culture that we no longer exist in. But it's still written for us to use today. So we need to be a student of the word. So I invite you to ask questions, okay? Ask some questions. Um, I believe that we can be a people who, who use this text well. I believe that we can be a people who use this text well, even if we didn't do well as students in school, okay? You don't have to be a straight A student or a B student or even a C student. You could, you could have dropped out completely. You could have never gone to school, and you can still have the word of God be a part of your life, Okay, so I want to challenge us that even if you think, oh, she's talking about being a student of the word, that doesn't, that's not me. I'm not a student. I'm kind of a different kind of person. Don't discount yourself. Don't discount yourself. God wants to um, grow your ability, your capacity to understand and use this text. Okay, and so wave your Bible in the air one more time. One of the reasons why we're bringing paper Bibles today is because sometimes who uses their electronic Bible more than their paper Bible? Raise your hand. Me, I do. Okay, and I'm not I'm not ashamed of it. Okay, so if you're gonna try to shame me, Bible shame me, you can't do it because I'm proud of my <laughs> technology Bible. Okay, but I want to tell you a story. So last week I was not here, and um, that's because I got to speak at a family ministry um, or a family. Gosh, a family retreat for another church. So I got to do all their sessions at that retreat. But it took us way up into the mountains, which was so cool and beautiful and wonderful. But I got up there, and I knew I just needed to refine my notes. And so I get up there, and I go to Google. Like, man, what's that one verse that said this one thing? And I go to Google it, but I had zero reception. And I was like, cool. Cool that's awesome. Good thing I've wrapped my handy dandy paper Bible, you know? And so then I'm like using, and I literally just couldn't find it. And I was like, so then I'm searching my old notes on my computer. Like I know I've used this verse before. So as a people, I don't want to lose a skill because we have another tool. Okay. I don't want to lose the ability to use this paper. Um, And actually I use my paper when I study just a little bit more. Um, This is like my study tool. Um, I want to encourage you guys to highlight. I want to encourage you to underline, to write a note, maybe even a date. Like if the Lord has spoken to you through a verse, date it. Because there's something about a timestamp when we use scripture that's like a memory of how God has been growing us up. Sometimes when I, look through, when I look through pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, when was this? And the, the little date that's time stamped on the picture, it really helps us to remember when certain things happen in our lives. And we can have this time stamp, this uh, growth pattern in, in how we study the word of God if you use your paper text. So I encourage you, use your text. But I want to play a game real quick. Okay, I want to play a game because back in the day, back in Sunday school, we used to do a thing called sword drills. Raise your Bibles one more time. And who wants to play a game with me? Because I have a $25 gift card if you win. Okay, um, I have this lady right there. Do you want to play? Come on up. Tyree, you want to play? She said yes. Come on up. I heard it. (laughs) Coming up, sir, way in the back. Let's give these people a round of applause because they're going to play a game for me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And so I have three people coming on up. You broke your shoes? Oh, good. You're barefoot. That makes me feel really comfortable, actually. I'm a barefoot girl. I only put my shoes because I'm on the stage. That's the only reason I'm wearing them. So let's do this. Let's introduce um, ourselves to our people. We're going to find out their name and how long they've been coming to Koinonia. My name is Tyreen. I've been coming to Konania since I was in 8th grade. That's a long time. I don't know. Maybe it's only a couple weeks. I don't know how old you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so tell us your name and how long have you been coming to Konania? Lisa, and since they opened, since you since, guys built here. Since, since we built this building. Wow. Th- there's some longevity on this stage. I love it. I love it. Tell us your name and how long have you been coming to Konania? My name is Mario. I've been coming here for one day. First time guest! Man! He's a brave one, okay? He's a brave one. He doesn't know me, so you don't know what I'm doing. Okay, so I got these gift cards up here. You guys actually get to pick. I got a a 111, and then this one has all kinds of little, it's one of those ones you can spin at multiple places. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a sword drill. So a sword drill. Back in the day, um, we don't really do these too much, but this is actually how I learned where the books of the Bible were because I was uber competitive and I hated losing. And so as soon as I did a sword drill, I went home and I studied. I was like, "Where is Leviticus? I must know where it is." Because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have you put your Bibles on the ground. This is not sacrilegious. I looked it up. Okay, you're allowed to put your Bible. <laughs> you're allowed to put it on the ground because we can. And so what we're gonna do is I, you're gonna put your hands on your head, just because we're gonna go the full nine. And no, no, you can you can keep you can keep it all. And I'm gonna shout out a scripture. You're going to, and then I'm gonna say go. You bend over, pick up your Bible, you hunt for the scripture. Whoever says the first word first of the scripture that I tell you to find, they win. And so you just shout the first word. Ready? Can I get some game music, please? Alright, ready. You are gonna find Psalms one twenty-one. Verse 2, go. Oh, she's got to put her glasses on. She just ducked to the ground. This is a way. There is a way. Psalm 121, verse 2, just say the first word. Oh, he said it over here. Now read us the verse. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And cometh. (laughs) That is so good. So you get to pick a gift card. Choose one of these, sir. Thank you so much. And welcome to Koinonia. Yeah, go for it. You guys, uh, let's give our contestants a round. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. You guys can go have a seat. Appreciate you. So that was one of the ways that I learned how to use the text. And sometimes I feel like we were really good as kids at being students, right? And some of those things we lose. Like I don't memorize for candy anymore. Like nobody gives me, maybe I need to give me candy (laughs) or whatever it takes in order to be a memorizer. But I believe that this is an inspired by God book, okay? It's not just something I can buy and be inspired by, but this is actually written by the word of God. I believe that. I believe that it's accurate, okay? I don't believe that there's mistakes in here. And I believe that this is a document given to us by God to know him, to know us, and to know his plan. If I believe that, then I wonder sometimes why I struggle to have a hunger for the word, we're calling this series a dangerous book because the, the book itself calls itself dangerous. Okay, it doesn't use those exact words, but it says it's a double-edged sword. And when I think about a double-edged sword, I know I should not be wielding (laughs) a double-edged sword. It's not in my wheelhouse. I can barely use a double-edged toothpick (laughs) without hurting myself. And so I know that sometimes when I think about the fact that this is a double-edged sword, it says in Hebrews 4.12. If you're taking notes, write this down because it's such a beautiful, it's not going to be on the screen. Write it down for your own study. Hebrews 4.12. It's a beautiful depiction of the power of the Word of God. It says, the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I know I need some judgment in my heart and my attitude sometimes. I know I need it. And so as a people, we want to know how to wield this sword. We want to know how to use it. And because it's sharp on both edges, I think it's dangerous if we don't know how. And I think it's dangerous if we never do it. And I think, so what's exciting to me is it's dangerous to the enemy if we do know how. If we get to know about this book, things start to shift in our world. The enemy becomes afraid. He becomes afraid. So, if you didn't bring your paper Bible, I'm going to invite the ushers to come down, and if you didn't bring a Bible and you want to use a paper Bible today, wave wave your hand, um, or you can just put it in the air. You don't have to wave it, I guess. You can just hold it up. But they'll bring you a Bible right now. Next week, remember to bring one. And actually, I want to do a thing. Who doesn't have a Bible? Like, who doesn't own one? Is anybody in here don't own one? Because I want to give one away. Actually, now I'm confused because people are holding their hands up for um, paper Bibles. <laughs> I've asked too many questions at once. Raise your hand really high if you don't own a Bible. Like, come, come to me. You don't own a Bible? I'm going to give you this one. So this is a life application study Bible. It has a lot of good um, resources in the Bible itself so that if you don't know what that word means, you can kind of look at the bottom and it'll show you what that word means. I think sometimes we get intimidated because maybe we don't have the right style of Bible for us, what helps us. And a study Bible helps you study. Okay. You can shift from being a reader to a student where you're actually um, learning what it means. There's more Bibles, guys. Just keep your hand kind of coming up. They're coming around. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep your hand up. Um, but we're going um, to turn to Second Peter. So if you want to start now, you can look at Second Peter. But I want to give us just a little bit of a challenge. I do think it's okay to take the text seriously. I think it's okay. There's a lot of things in our life that maybe we're intimidated by, and so out of that intimidation, we feel like it's not. A, it's easier to make it not a big deal. Like, it's whatever. I don't even know the Bible. It's confusing. I don't care. You know, like, we try to discount it because we're a little insecure there. Don't let your insecurities determine your value of the thing. Okay, that's what I would suggest to us. It's okay to take it seriously. There's a lot of things that I take serious in my life that I have to take seriously. Okay, I take very seriously the raising of my kids. I take very seriously the influences over their life. And so I'm, like, watching weird YouTube videos because of it, right? Right? I take it very seriously, who's influencing them? And so I'm watching all this weird stuff on YouTube, so I know what they're watching on YouTube, you know? Take it seriously. When you take things seriously, it impacts what you do, and it impacts how often you do it, and it impacts when you do it. So I think it's okay to take the text seriously. And Here's another other thing. I think it's okay to push yourself. Some things are hard, especially the first time. But I think it's okay to move past that point of discomfort into actually getting your hands on it, okay? The first time for most things is very, very scary. I remember the first time I ever had to order um, a burrito in California on my own. Number one, I was from a place where there wasn't like a lot of burrito places. So I didn't know how many options there were for burritos, right? So I go in and I ask them like, hey, can I get a burrito? And the lady says something in a very strong accent. And I was just like what? Like, I had no idea, right? And I remember the insecurity I felt when she asked me what kind of meat I wanted. I was like, why are there multiple meats? Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I was just like this, you know, Virginia Beach girl. I didn't know about the different meats, and then my husband's like, carne asada, like, he's going through the list. I was like, okay, what? I'll just take whatever he's having. You know what I mean? Like, there are some things, and now I totally know what kind of burrito I want. (laughs) I've studied (laughs) the world of burritos, and there's no question, like, I know exactly what I want. It's okay to take it seriously, and it's okay to push yourself to learn past that point of like, oh, I'm not quite sure. Like, why why are there proverbs in here? What is this about? You know, what is the book of Leviticus? You know what I mean? Like, it's okay to not be certain and to feel like you're kind of waiting in it for a while, Um, because I do know, and I am confident in the fact that the longer you stay engaged with the text, the more you're going to be familiar with it and the more comfortable you'll be. And then here's what happened. Here's the cool thing. Just like this morning, I I received a word from Miss Donnie and she came and she just whispered. And I know it was a scripture. I remember, I know where that scripture comes from the root of the encouragement that she gave us. As you study this word, you will be filled with things to share. There's so many moments where we see things broken in the world. We see people frustrated, and I'm not sure exactly what to do. But I know and I'm confident that I am filled with the word of God. Therefore, I have something to share. It doesn't even have to be my own words. I can literally just start quoting. Um, I can quote, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. You know, there's the love chapter. There's things in the love chapter that's so applicable everywhere. If you get it inside of you. So we can push ourselves. And also there's mercy and grace and a lot of resources. Okay? There's a lot of resources in this day and age to help you. Because I believe that when you're into something, you're going to be asking questions. You're going to be figuring it out. You might have to push yourself beyond a simple verse a day. Um, in, in scripture, here's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this series is because I believe in this day and age, the validity of scripture is under attack. Like, there's a lot of people out there who are like, you, you read the Bible, that's crazy. It's just an old book, right? There's this, there's this sense of doubt growing, even among the church, even among people within the church. Like, do we really read the whole thing? You know what I mean? Like, I've heard somebody say, like, oh, I don't really care about the Pauline letters, they told me. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. You know, like, we're starting to do this thing where we, we start to dice out what we're willing to listen to because we found issue with certain portions of the text. OK, like if you're if you're on TikTok, you're on YouTube, if you're on these places, there are people literally trying to discredit scripture on a regular basis. And they're pretty savvy. They're pretty good at it. OK, and so it makes you be like, huh? why do we like it's written by people and people are not perfect. Right. You start to it's just like that doubt is in your mind. You're like, well, what do what do we do about that? Like that seems like it contradicts that. Maybe the whole thing's wrong. You know what I mean? We start to get there. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about how we can trust this book. And now if we start to trust this book, if we start to handle this book, um, the Lord will use us to bring truth to a world that's so muddied with lies. So muddied with lies. I don't want to be a person where I believe a little bit of truth that's actually there's a a whole lie attached to it because it sounds like scripture, but it's not actually even found in the book. I want to be wise enough to be like, oh, that sounds right, but it's actually not because I read. You know what I mean? Like, I want to have the backup to it. I want to be able to do that both for myself, for my household, for my people, for my view of everything that's going on out there. I want to know where my source is because the enemy's using sneaky, barely true things in order to get into our spirits, in order to get into how we choose to live. He causes division by allowing people to to fight on things that neither of those things are even true. He causes division. And I feel like he's causing division even in here. I could feel it. Even when we started praying about Roe versus Wade, I could feel like, ooh, there's one of those things where we're not sure. But I know God is sure. Do you believe that God is sure even on the complicated things like Roe versus Wade? Do you believe that God is sure? I believe that God is sure. I believe that he has an answer. And I believe I can work it out when I'm with him. I don't want to be told what to think. (laughs) I don't want to be told what to be passionate about. I want to know from the one who made it all. And so I believe that it is dangerous for us to ignore this. It is dangerous. And it is dangerous for the enemy if we don't. So let's get into it. So if you guys will turn, because what I want to tell you about is just a few reasons why I believe that the Bible is faithful, why we can trust it. So we're going to open our Bibles. I know that you have them. So we're turning to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter is found in the New Testament. I don't hear a lot of pages turning, so I'm assuming you're already there. So if you're not there, say one second, please. Wow. Okay. Second Peter chapter one, starting in verse 16, this is going to be our bedrock verse for the day, but we're going to depart from it for just a little bit. Starting in verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So basically what Peter's saying, he's like, I didn't make up this story when I was writing down this text. I didn't make it up. I didn't hear a story one day. And I was like, let me write that down. No, what he's establishing is why he's writing the text. And it's because he was an eyewitness. He witnessed it firsthand. He witnessed the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Verse 17, he received honor and glory from God, the father, when the voice came to him from majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. It was a moment in Peter's life when he was marked. He was changed. He had to write it down. Actually, all of the gospel writers had to write that one down. Like God's voice audibly came down and blessed Jesus in front of them all. Could you imagine if you witnessed something like that? How many of you guys have saw, you've seen a really bad car accident and you just had to tell somebody, man, I saw a car accident. You're like When you witness something that like, whoa, what was that? You got to tell people. So that's what Peter's establishing. He's like, man, I'm not just telling you because I I heard something cool. He's like, I witnessed the voice of God pour his spirit out upon his son in the water. Like I saw it. It's with an enthusiasm and an energy, a person who was there. Okay. This is not secondhand knowledge. This is firsthand knowledge. Verse 18, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Now I want to have you guys underline or highlight or maybe like star a couple things in this next portion. Verse 19. We also have the prophetic message. Underline prophetic message. Prophetic message. Prophetic message is something given to us by God for people. It's the word. It's the word of God. We also have this prophetic message as something, underline this, completely reliable. Your verse, your, your chapter, your translation may say it a little bit differently. Mine says completely reliable, which I love for this, for this conversation, completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the dawn, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. I'm going to read that again because it's really significant to me. Verse 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. What he's saying is like, we didn't do this on our own. Whoever's written scripture, they weren't doing it in isolation. It didn't just come to them like, oh, I have this moment where I understand what to write about creation. No, they weren't doing things out of their own, like, I wonder how they made palm trees, like, they weren't just thinking of it, dreaming of it in that moment, it was inspired, it says in verse 20, verse 21, for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, that's a caveat, and I want to talk about that later, prophets, though human, spoke from God, you want to underline that, they spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is our source. This is why we can trust this book. We can trust it because it wasn't made up by broken people. It was actually, it's actually an increase of the miracle that we even have this text because it's through broken people that the revelation of God is given to us. Because God, being the creator of the universe, he could have said, Holy text, boom, and it would have been here. But instead, he used broken people to speak utter truth when they probably didn't even know how truthy their truth was. (laughs) Truthy is not a real word. (laughs) They didn't even know. They didn't even know, but he he spoke truth into them. They didn't recognize how much it was going to connect to the rest of eternity. I'm sure they had a, a little bit of like, I think that this is different. You know what I mean? Like when the Lord is speaking to you, you know when it's like your thoughts versus the Lord's. There's a difference. Like I suspect that this moment is a holy moment. I'm sure that they knew a little bit. But it wasn't just their idea. He spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you five reasons why we can trust the origin of God's holy word. Um, Number one is that the, the divine origin gives us the ability to trust the divine origin of scripture gives us the ability to trust. Divine origin basically means that it wasn't just made up by people. This was given to us. This is a gift to us from the creator of the universe, the one who made it all. He has given us this book, which that alone is like pretty cool. Like, thanks for the present, God. Like, let me, let me treat it that way. Like, it's a gift from the Lord. Now, here's the challenge, though. The challenge is when we, have you ever asked somebody a definition of a word and they use the word in the definition? It's just not very helpful, right? And so this is kind of how I feel right now is like the, the scriptures tell us about how faithful it is. There's scripture upon scripture that tells us about how faithful it is, how trustworthy it is, how accurate it is. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. righteousness, That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. That's what the Bible says that the Bible does. Right? Now, if you have a, a, a trust issue with the Bible, that might not be very helpful. Right? And I understand that. I actually, there was a student, um, uh, your students, you if you have a teenager, man, ask them what, ask them what their questions are about life. Cause they have such cool questions. So we ask our students very often, Hey, what kind of questions do you have? This kid came up to me and he was like, Candace, how come I can trust this book, which is considered a holy text, but I can't trust other books that are considered holy texts. Like how come I'm not listening to the Quran or I'm not listening to, you know, other types of books that are like scriptures to other religions. And I was like, what, what a good question. Like, why, why does this this one stand up different? What's my answer? And when I'm talking to people who have doubts about this text itself, it's not always super helpful to use the text itself to answer those questions. So I believe that the scripture is divine, that in the origin of this text is divine, but there's a lot of different ways that we come to that conclusion. And it's not just through scripture itself. And this is where I get really excited because I just look at creation. I look at history. I look at science. I can look at all the different things and I can know that this text is divinely given to me. I can know it. Okay. Um, I do believe that if God is the source and he's all powerful, he will make a way to make sure that this doesn't get killed. Okay? He's going to make a way to keep it alive. So it gives me this confidence that even in countries, even in, in history, even in seasons, when they try to destroy the word of God, God made a way. God made a way for the text to be in our laps, um, on our tables, in our pockets today. He's made a way. So, number two, I think um, divine origin is supported by prophecy. By prophecy. The fact is that the scriptures that we have today, they are written over 1,500 years. That means from the starting of the writing to the ending of the writing, it took 1,500 years. Okay? And especially in the Old Testament, particularly in Isaiah, there's a ton of prophecies about the future. There are, there are men who are writing down, this is what's going to happen. Right now we have, we, we use prophecy now and we use it a little bit differently. Okay. So we talk about prophecy a little bit differently than that. We're not always predicting the future. Sometimes we're, we're allowing ourselves to be used as a vessel about the voice of God, encouraging somebody else. Okay. That's another word. That's another way to use the word prophecy. But in scripture, there are prophecies written down where they're predicting the future. And here's the thing. Those things have, they're still coming true. And they they line up with each other. And so as I look and I study scripture and I see the things that are written in here, and then, then the it's almost like the writing has been passed on to another person. They don't even know. I think I know a lot of the writers, they didn't have the copies of the other people's writings in their hands when they are writing what they're writing. So they're writing in isolation. The guy who started it, he didn't have the guy who ended it in his house. Like, oh, let's collaborate. What are you going to write? Yeah, I'm going to write that that happens. And then you write that that happened, right? Like they're not able to coordinate what they wrote. And so the prophecies in scripture are a miracle. It's a miracle that we get to see that there are 322 specific prophecies about just Jesus. There's thousands of prophecies in the scriptures, thousands, but 322 that are just about Jesus Christ, okay? 322. And so far, um, hundreds of them have come to pass. Not all of them, and here's why not all of them have come to pass is because Jesus hasn't come back yet. That's one of the prophecies. Actually, just the other day, I realized I had, a, I don't know if I talked to my kids about Jesus' second coming. I was like, hey, do you guys know Jesus is coming back? And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Like we talk about Jesus and loving your neighbor. We talk about all these things all the time. Like, hey, do you know that he's coming back? Like, that's why we're into this so much because we know the story's not over. We know it's not over. So when we look and reread these prophecies, we know some of them have yet to be fulfilled because the king is coming again. He's coming again. But so many of these prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus. And statistically speaking, and I'm not into math, that's not my favorite thing, but the statistics about the prophecies are pretty exciting. There's 322 about Jesus, and of only eight of them were fulfilled and we believe a lot more than eight were fulfilled. But if only eight were fulfilled, the likelihood of that being true because of the distance from when they are written to when Jesus actually was born is like a one to 10 to the 17th power. I wrote it down in my, my notes and I should have put it on the screen. I'm a dunce, but because um, this is not helpful. But I wrote down the number and it's one with 17 zeros. It's a really big number. I don't even know what that number is. It's not a number I have in my vocabulary. But that's the chances of that those prophecies being fulfilled. Fulfilled, eight of those prophecies being fulfilled in one person, just eight of them. And we have over 322. You know what I mean? Like the fact that they all came to pass in Jesus Christ is proof that this was divinely originated. We can know that God wrote this because there's no way that anybody can fulfill all those prophecies in their life. It was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. It was prophesied that he would have his ministry in Galilee. It was prophesied that he would be a teacher of parables. It was prophesied that he would be crucified by thieves. It was prophesied that he would rise from the dead three days later. And it was prophesied that he would rise up into the sky on a cloud to the heavens. It's pretty incredible. The next one says divine origin is supported by science and history. So archaeologists, those are the guys, the girls who are digging up old cities, right? And so if you read the Bible, there's like literally there's maps a lot of times in the Bible because there's so much geography. You know, it's saying um, if you look about the wanderings of the Israelites, they wandered for 40 years and they were very specific about the wanderings. He like took 20 feet over here, you know, like it's just telling the story of how they wandered. And they're very specific with the way they describe some of those cities and some of those places. And the crazy thing is, is some of those cities don't exist anymore, and that used to cause a lot of doubt about here, like the Bible's not real because it talks about cities that aren't real. Well, guess what? We've been finding the cities. We've been finding the cities that, that have been dictated in this book. And so far, we've been finding cities that we're like, well, is this the one that's written in scripture? And it's like, it's by the river, by the rock, you know? And then we look and we're like, it's by the river, it's by a rock. We're like, this is the one. We're like, archaeologists, people who do not believe in Jesus are verifying like, yep, this is actually the city that they were talking about. <laughs> yep, we believe it. This is the one. This is the one that they were talking about because it matches up. The detail in here is not able to be refuted by what we're finding in archaeology, which which is just crazy. There's this guy, let me find his name. It says that, um, his name is Nelson Gluick. It says, it may be stated categorically that no archeological archeolog- discovery has ever controver- controverted a biblical Reference. I'm gonna read it one more time because obviously this guy is super smart and he uses a lot of words that I can't even read. Nelson Glueck. He says it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Basically, what it's saying is everything they find, it may not be in the Bible, but if the Bible says it was where it says it was, and they find it, it, it matches. Every single thing they found is nothing's ever been like, well, they said it was here and the Bible said it was there. We finally found a mistake. They haven't found that yet. It's pretty awesome. And in science, um, there's this guy, his name's Matthew Murray. He was from the 1800s and he was sick and he was laying in bed and he was just reading the Bible as, you know, something to do while he's laying in bed. He was an oceanographer. He studied the oceans for a living. And he read in Psalms 8:8 8, 8, when it talks about the paths of the seas. And he was like, what's the paths of the seas? He was asking questions. It's good to ask questions. He was asking questions like, what's the paths of the seas? I don't even know what that means. So then he goes out and once he was well, he started looking it up. Like, what are, I'm going to look for the paths of the seas. And it was because of reading Psalms that he discovered the currents in the continental oceans from reading the text. The text is actually informing our discovery scientifically. And then we have the source texts themselves. We believe, and as a culture, you know, of so many different types of people who wrote way back in the day, like Aristotle and Plato. And we have Homer's the Iliad. A lot of kids study that in school. And these texts, we actually only have a couple copies. Like Homer's the Iliad, we actually only have 900 original copies of Homer's Iliad, but we teach it in schools. Like this is truth, right? This is a thing that was written. We have, have, or no, we have 643 copies and they were 900 years old compared to when they were first written. So Homer wrote it. 900 years later, that's the copy that we have. 900 years. What? That's a long time, right? But we're like, no, it's definitely an accurate understanding. You know, like we we totally believe that. No questions asked, right? The earliest one we have. Now the New Testament, we have over 5,000 copies, original copies of the Old Testament. And the years from the original written is only 50, 50 years from when the Old Testament or the New Testament was originally written. Only 50 years is the start of the manuscripts that we have. Like there is such evidence that this book, number one, it was um, religiously maintained because they knew it was a dangerous book. They worked hard to maintain it and we can trust the validity of the text. The next one says divine origin is supported by the consistency of the text itself. Okay, so like I said earlier, it took over 1,500 years for the text to be written, but if you layer it on itself, it doesn't contradict. Now, there are things that challenge you. You're like, oh, over here, um, you know, Paul says to women to be quiet. And over here, he's like, go ahead and prophesy. Like, that's confusing. That seems very contradictory. But actually, as you study, it makes sense. As you understand what he's saying and who he's talking to and how he's talking, it makes sense. It's not actually contradicting itself. It's just giving a layer to the information. But it doesn't actually contradict itself in the way that we think about contradictions. And one of the ways that we know that is from the gift of the Dead Sea Scrolls the Dead Sea Scrolls. So the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, they they used to make copies of the Bible and they did it on papyrus. Papyrus is like a super, um, it's a very thin paper. It's not very handy. They put the Ten Commandments on tablets, right? Like that's going to last a long time. They used to write things on papyrus. And so they had stored these papyrus scrolls in this cave. And somehow, miraculously, because of weather, like I read a whole thing about it, like it's actually science. So it was stored forever. And so we used to actually not have a very, um, not have a very good copy of the original text. But then we found the Dead Sea Scrolls and it gave us the supporting evidence we know to know that it didn't change a whole lot over these past decades and decades and millennia. A lot of times people will say like, oh, you know, it's so old, it's changed over time. The Dead Sea Scrolls actually teaches us that it hasn't. The amount of faithfulness um, that God has allowed us to hold this text, so that it got to us in a very close to its original form. And I'm grateful for that gift. Even in, even in the stories of the Gospels themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's four different eyewitness accounts, and they don't all line up completely exactly. And that's even more evidence to the fact that it was written by men who saw Jesus. They're written from a perspective. Like you can write, if you were to write the story of my life, you can write the story of my life from the perspective of somebody who sees me as a mom, right? You can also write the perspective of my life of somebody who sees me as a wife, and you can write the perspective of my life as somebody who sees me as a professional. And you would highlight different things. And so in that, um, some people are like, well, the, the Gospels, they, they say Jesus went here and then really he went here. But really what they're doing is they're telling the, Jesus, they're telling the story of Jesus' life from a perspective. Matthew was writing that Jesus is king. Mark was writing that Jesus was a servant. Luke was writing that Jesus was perfect. And John was writing that he was the son of God. So from those four different perspectives, we get a little bit of a different angle of who Jesus was, but it's all the same man. Last two. Divine origin is supported by authorship. They were witnesses, okay? It wasn't made up like somebody who wasn't actually involved in what was happening. They're witnesses to what God was doing and none of the stories contradict each other um, and change the story, it's really, really difficult to get people to agree on things and work together. Have you guys ever been on a team where you're like, Oh, it would be really easy if I did this by myself? <laughs> Have you guys ever felt that? Like, I would just like to do this by myself. Thanks, bye. But here's what Jesus did. Here's what God did in the authorship of the Bible is He used forty different authors over fifteen hundred years using three different languages to write one story that encourages us today. That's a miracle. It must be divinely written. And last but not least, divine origin is supported by the power of the Holy Spirit today. Scriptures are useful. It's useful in my life. It's useful in the lives of so many today. I do believe the scripture is a launching point for the Holy Spirit to move all over the world. There's a testimony, um, that I want to share with you that this guy shared. He was, um, he's a pastor of the underground church in the middle East where Christianity is illegal. The biblical, the Holy text is illegal. You can't find it. It's not just on stacks in the back of rooms. It's not in your hotel room, um, drawer next to you. Um, and they're, they're finding that God is moving in a powerful way in this nation a powerful way. And they don't even have the text, which is why I know we can do a lot of mighty things because we have the text, but they don't have the text. And so he went to visit this guy and the guy was like, somebody keeps visiting me and he's all in white and he's kind of a glow, you know, and he's visiting me every night and he's telling me to write down stuff. So the pastor tells him, he's like, well, show me your journal. What have you been writing down? And the guy opens his journal and it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God reverse that. (laughs) So in the beginning was the word. Those are the first lines of the book of John. So this man who had never held a Bible once in his life was being visited by Jesus in his dreams, and he was able to write the entire book of John in his journal. (laughs) That's just bananas. It's just crazy. And it gives me such hope and faith and trust in what God is doing in our world. That he's breathing still life into people using this book. Using this book. So I want to pray that God would give us a greater hunger. I want to pray that he would give us greater understanding. And I want to pray against doubts. So would you guys stand with me? Lord, I'm so thankful, God, for this book. I'm thankful, Lord, for this gift I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. Speak to us, God. Speak to us questions to ask that are going to get us to our next level in faith. Speak to us, um, faith, uh, faith thoughts. God, give us scriptures. Even just call to mind right now certain scriptures that'll help us to affirm that you have used this book in our. You're using this book in our lives right now, God. I pray for people who maybe are um, struggling with doubts right now, who are not sure if they can trust the the validity of the word of God. Is it even real? Is God even alive? Does it matter? Is it too old? Is it too antiquated? Is it too out of touch with the reality? Is it too out of touch with this culture? My God. God, I pray that you would help us to fight against the slow but sure lies of the enemy that are trying to eradicate what your scriptures say to us. God, I pray for the boldness to be a people who bring truth into other places. I pray for the boldness to be a people to study, to learn, to get past ourselves, to get past our insecurity, to get past a passive version of Christianity and get into an active version. It says in the word that your word is alive and active. And I pray, God, that it would come alive, that it would come alive in this space in Jesus' name, that it would come alive in our hearts in Jesus' name. I pray that tomorrow when we wake up and we decide tomorrow to open your word, God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word in Jesus' name, that we would honor you with our time. We would honor you with our minds. We would honor you by studying your word and believing and trusting that you are breathing in your life over us through this gift, through this gift. God, I pray, Father, for anybody who's struggling with doubts right now, God, I pray that they would bring you their doubts. <laughs> They'd bring it to you, God. They don't got to go to YouTube. They don't got to go to TikTok to figure out how to trust in you, God. But we can go straight to you, Father. I thank you, God, for the proximity of the relationship available to us, that we don't have to go to another source. We can go straight to you, my God. I'm so thankful for that. So thankful. My Lord, I pray that you would inspire us today through your holy word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchampford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.